Welcome back to another Time to Come Alive. So wonderful to have you all here. My name is Valerie Hope. I'm your executive coach and also professional speaker. And we get together every Tuesday to find ways in which we can bring our own life to a higher level. How to become more conscious as an individual, become more connected with others in our community, and then just overall be more creative. So I'm really excited because we're gonna really focus on that creative part. We have a special guest, and I'll introduce him in just a moment, but want to make sure that we get prepped to have the right kind of listening for today's conversation. But before we go any further, as you all know, I'd like to make sure that we do a little bit of mindfulness before we get started. I'd love for you all to just, wherever you're sitting, just find yourself in a comfortable position. You know, it's best sometimes if you put both feet on the ground, that way you make sure that you're centered and grounded. And I want you, if you can, Close your eyes where you are, it's fine. If not, just soften your gaze, that works just as well. I want you to take a couple of deep cleansing breaths just to get started. And as you're doing that, just calming down, I want you to get focused. I'd like for you to focus specifically on something that you've created yourself the last time you created something. It might be something that you are proud about or perhaps excited about. It might be something like a meal that you prepared. Perhaps it's your bed. You made your bed and that's a creation in and of itself. Perhaps it was your makeup or, or the way that you organized your, your office papers, a report or a presentation that you put together. Just think of anything that you've created that you're particularly proud about having done or proud to have actually taken the step to begin it. And if you can't think of something that you have created, think of something that you would like to create. Just hold that picture in your mind of what you did create or what you would like to create. I want you to go back, if you have done something that you're particularly proud of creating, think about what the emotion or the, the sensations were as you were creating that particular object or that experience. How did you feel? Was it relaxing? Was it invigorating? Perhaps you were surprised. Perhaps it was just you felt love, you were doing it for others or doing it for your environment. Feel helpful. I want you to really get connected to that emotion or that feeling that you had while you were creating. And then I want you to consider what does your creation or would your creation, if, you're yet to, if you've yet to do it, what would that bring into the world? What would it do to impact the world? Would it bring peace, peace of mind? Perhaps it would bring beauty. Would it bring nutrition, connection? And as you're considering 
what you want to create or what you've created and the impact of it, I want you to really think about what else you can expand that emotion and that impact. Where else in your life might you be able to take that same love or that same nurturing or that same enthusiasm and apply that feeling so that you can create even more? All right, take another final deep breath. Well, not final, but continue to breathe, but definitely. Breathe in what you're, what you're creating, what you hope to create. Because our conversation today, I really wanted to highlight creativity. The, the reason why we, we talk about something like creativity when it's you know, time to come alive is because that's really where you take something that's from nothing and bring something to, fru to fruition. And it could be from your heart, it could be from your mind, it might be something that you've already seen. But there's something beautiful about creating the act of creation in and of itself. I, I had the fortune of meeting our guest, Wen Fuque. Gosh, it's probably been about six or so months ago. Right, Wen, I think? Yeah, I think so. Probably in the fall sometime at a, a National Speaker Association event. And it so happened that there was a, a, a meeting prior to when I showed up. We were going to a workshop. And the first chair that I saw available was right at the front table, and it was next to Wynn. And when you were so friendly, you had a big smile, and you were open. I remember you even pulled the chair so I could sit in comfortably while everything was being rearranged for that workshop. And somehow, you know, we ended up kind of chit-chatting throughout the workshop. And I just thought you were just such a warm soul. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> And, and because of that, really, that, that connection that we made in that very short period of time, um, we had the opportunity to work together, actually work with you on my video for, for my website. And that experience in and of itself was pretty cool because I remember thinking I had a clue about what I wanted and how I wanted it to go. <laughs> Not really. Right. <laughs> and, and your direction and your eye for where I should go in the room and what I should do and how I should look and the things that I should say and when I should say them. I was really, I was really surprised and humbled at the, the direction that you gave me and also the impact that it had on the overall product. But more than anything, the experience. I think, you know, when I was, we were talking about this mindful moment in creation, I don't know what the process for creation is like for you, but I want to say that as a recipient, that the experience for me was one of warmth, was one of comfort, was, I felt confident, I felt really well cared for in, in that moment that you worked with me. And I, I'm curious, where does that all come from? How do you, yeah, where does that come from? <laughs> Valerie, you said, you said you were gonna give me an easy question to start with. Oh. You said you were just gonna kind of give me a softball question <laughs> to start with. I can't make any promises when I'm, when I'm creating, when I'm creating. Right, right. I think that making good art and making being creative is in the details. You know, um, when you do this video series, it's all about the details. You're great with, okay, when you're going to be on this time, we want you to be here at 8.15 to, do, to check in. 
Um, you know, and then when I, I videoed you on your program at the Adolphus in Dallas, it was all you, you paid attention to every detail. I mean, you knew how many pins were on the table. You knew, you know, where everybody wanted to sit before they even got in the room. So for me, being creative is, it's not controlling all the details, but it's thinking about them and at least knowing that they're important. Um, you know, you said that I, I told you where to stand and what to say. I didn't, you did that naturally, but I may have guided you a little bit. I may have said, I'll walk through the room again. We need to get the shot again during the yeah. presentation. You know, you took direction really well. A lot of my subjects don't take that, don't take that well, that direction, but they're not open to it. They think they know better than, than me. Um, sometimes they do, but I think being just life's in the details. Life's life's, you know, you've got to remember to gas up your car. That's a detail. Um, so the more I can be detail oriented, the better creative I can, I can make the, the better creative product that I can make. Wow. Well, I'm really happy to hear that you thought I listened to your instructions. So mom and dad, see, there you go. I do <laughs> somebody. <laughs> um, so when you mentioned a few, you know, when we first started talking, uh, at 8.15 today, we were preparing for this. You mentioned that you're from Amarillo, Texas originally. And yep. West Texas is the, the, the flavor you gave me, is your upbringing. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about your journey from West Texas to Dallas. Um, and we only have, what, an hour and a half? <laughs> Two hours? <laughs> Eight hours. Eight yeah. hours, okay. We'll edit. I'll give you the six-minute version of that. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Amarillo, went to high school in Lubbock, which is up in West Texas. It's about a six hour drive from Dallas. Um, I was never a good student. So in high school, I started taking pictures as a way to get out of class, basically. Uh, and I never looked back. Uh, my photojournalism teacher in high school um, said I'd never be a photographer. She said I'd never make it. Uh, I wish I could remember her name so I could give her credit, <laughs> but I can't remember her name. Um, I guess she was a nice lady. I don't know, but she didn't encourage me very well. Uh, mm. But from, from high school, I went to college for a year. Then I went to photography school in Denver. And then when I landed from Denver, I went to Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, I really, that's where I got my training. I was a photo assistant for three years with national photographers, which means basically I carried their equipment. I, you know, I made the travel reservations. I did everything an assistant supposed to do. Um, and we traveled continuously across the United States for three years. Wow. Um, and then we, and then I landed in Dallas uh, in 1990. I got married in Los Angeles, realized very quickly. I didn't want to own, I didn't want to, um, Start a, start a business or a family in Los Angeles. So I thought it was time to come back to, to Texas. Okay. So we've been in Dallas since 1990. 1990. Well, yeah. I won't ask you when you went to school, but. <laughs> <laughs> 1802. <laughs> 1802. Wait, you said, just to give a little context. So you said you started photography in, in order to get out of school. What, what does that mean? Well, in order to get out of class and, you know, and, and, and flirt with girls in the dark room, you know, the line, 
the line used to be, hey, why don't you come to the dark room? I'll show you what's developing. Um, I don't know how we can do that now with digital. I'm not sure how that relates to the digital world. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't at all. But I just, I wasn't, all I wanted to do once I learned how to develop film and, you know, back in the olden days in the dark room where you develop the prints, the enlargements in the developer and take the pictures. That's all I really wanted to do. I, Why? Um, it was fun. It was just, it was, it was something I'd never done before. And it was just a lot of fun. I was on the tennis team and that was about the, the most athletic thing that I did was tennis. But other than that, you know, I wasn't a real extrovert. I didn't go up and start talking to people. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people do that in high school. I didn't in high school. Um, now it's kind of second nature. I'll talk to somebody on the elevator, but back then I, I didn't, I didn't know it, but you kind of pointed it out. I think I was an introvert and I hid behind my camera. I could be in the middle of, you know, the middle of, uh, of the football field, but still be hidden because hmm. I had the camera in front of me. And thinking back to that moment when you're surrounded by people, you're in the middle of all these activities in high school behind a camera, what was that like for you? It was fun. It meant that I could still be in the middle of, I could be part of the activity, I could be part of the group, but I didn't have to be associated. I didn't have to be interacting with the people. Hmm. And did you yeah. want to interact though? Was there, what was, the, was there a desire to interact? No, back then, not really. Not back then. No. <laughs> Just and captured. people, I mean, when you're in high school, you love to have your picture taken because you may end up in the yearbook. <laughs> and I, I photographed for the yearbook. So people are always like, oh, take my picture, take my picture. They were friendly to me, yeah. even if they didn't know me. And that was a good place to be in high school. Interesting. And was there something in you, what was it in your life that gave you that idea that this was something to continue? Because, you know, I think photography for many people is maybe just a nice hobby to start. But you've really taken it to another level, especially moving out to L.A. and doing what you did. What, what made you decide that this was something you wanted to pursue? I never could, Valerie, find anything else that I wanted to do. And I don't want to say I fell into photography because I definitely um, chased it. You know, I studied it. I realized that I wanted to make it part of my world and my business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I wasn't, again, I'm not an accountant. I'm not, a, I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. I can't, I couldn't go to school. I felt like I can graduate with a degree and go into another field. Um, and, you know, my dad was a life insurance salesman and a financial planner all his life in, in West Texas. So it would have been really easily easy for me to go into a white collar job, I think. Mm. But I was not, I wasn't that mindset. I, I, get, I got bored too easily. And I never realized, I never wanted a nine to five job. I always wanted to work for myself. Um, in high school, I opened my first business. Uh, I had a valet company in high school. Really? Yeah. Opened a business in high school. Um, I had a couple of friends that, you know, we all wanted to do something, make extra money. We didn't know how to do it. So we went to the nicest restaurant in Lubbock and said, hey, you need a valet stand. And stupidly, he let us do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very entrepreneurial from a very young age, it sounds like, too. Yeah, yeah. 
can you think back to when, or even now, when you're in the middle of doing what you do in photography or taking videos, what does it feel like? I, I find that when I'm coaching people and we're talking about their talents and their strengths, most have not taken the time to really explore the emotion or the sensation that's associated while you're in the moment. Right. For us, what's it like in the moment that you're doing what you do best? Good question. I have two moments. One is if I'm doing just an executive portrait for a lawyer, which I've done a thousand times before, it's going through the motion. It's going through the steps. It's not emotional. Yes, I'm, I'm visiting with the lawyer in front of me, so I'm getting his emotion out, you know, his smiles or her smiles out, but it's not real. It's not one of the more satisfying things I do. It's important because it puts bread on my plate, but it's not going to be, Oh my God, I can't, you can't believe the portrait I took. Um, unless I'm, it's funny. The things I like to do the best, I don't, I don't get paid for. Like if I did a portrait of you, and you didn't, and I, and I came to you and said, oh, Valerie, you're so beautiful. I want to do an iconic portrait of you, but you can't tell me anything. I want to do it my way, my style. That's what excites me. Whereas if you said, oh, Wayne, come take my portrait. I'm going to sit here with the background here, take right here. That to me is not very creative. That doesn't, that doesn't fill me up. Okay. So, you know, when I was videoing you on, when you did your uh, workshop, to me, I love that. I had two cameras, you know, I had, I was walking around with a camera and I was building the video as I was shooting it. So I knew the outcome that I wanted before I even started uh, filming you. Interesting. So it's, and that's what's exciting to me. That's what's exciting to me. It sounds like freedom is an integral part for you to be able to create. It is. So if you just give me money, I'll go create. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we've all got to make a living, definitely. But for me, if I could, I, I, I want to move into documentary filmmaking because that's freedom, but I don't know how to, how to finance the documentaries. You know, somebody's got to pay for it. Interesting. Well, who knows? Out of this conversation, you might have yeah. some, you know, some padrino, as we say in Spanish, some a godparent, godfather that will come and say, win, hey. Huh? So maybe Felipe will want to take me back to back to his homeland with him and uh, and do a, do a documentary back there. <laughs> Felipe, are you up for that? Well, it's a whole world of opportunities, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! So I want you, I want you to go back to something you said earlier, Lynn. You mentioned that you know when you're when you're working with people who are telling you this is how we want things done that you, you know, and obviously they're, they're paying for that service. You don't necessarily have the freedom that you feel that you like to create. You don't, you don't get lit up by that. But when you do have that opportunity to be free and do something that you create, you find that the, that there's something that you, you do it for free. Like, like right. freedom, but, but it's funny, but I think freedom isn't free. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm curious, what is it about that distinction? What is it about being completely free, meaning, meaning that you create, you call the shots, you control how and what you want that outcome to be, that you feel that much more freedom versus when you're the expert that's being brought into and you're being paid? What, how do you distinguish between yourself and those two situations? 
God, that's another good question, Valerie. I think that when I'm being paid, I still, I'm a professional. So I still have to get the shot or get the scene. You know, to me, a professional is, can you do it at two o'clock on a Friday and one o'clock on a Wednesday? Every time, every week in and week out, that's being professional. Um, creativity is, and I can be creative. You know, you pay me, you're, pay, you're buying my creativity. I'm going to give you all the talent that I have. If you, if you allow me to do it my way, I feel like that it's going to come out better because most of, really, most of my clients don't have a clue as to the look and the feel that they want. They just know they need a video. Like when I worked with you, you just need, you just knew you needed a sizzle video from your workshop, but you didn't have a clue of what it was going to look like when we got finished. Yeah. So you relied on my creativity to, to fill that up. And even though you were paying me for it, you were like, when you're the pro, you know, figure it out. Um, so I don't want to say that I can't be creative and I can't have a full, um, experience if you pay me it's just i feel like it's going to turn out better if you allow me to be the professional mm. oh this is so good because first, <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure um i i like to have a little oh, i have like, like to have a lot of control <laughs> over over the things in my life and sometimes i do think that i know better although i really don't and what i've learned over the last and i want to say probably the last two or three years even more so is rely on other people, right? Other people to bring in their expertise. And more importantly, as I started to value other people's gifts and talents, I see that by having a more hands-off approach to how they exercise that talent, that it enriches me and enriches whatever the product or the, the outcome is. And I didn't always value that. How how do you, what do people have to do or say in order to create that space so that you're able to show up and, and be your best? And it sounds like somebody's paying you to come and do something. Yeah, it's nice if they're like, hey, do what you do best. We don't always relate that way. But what would you recommend those of us who might have a little tendency to control, especially when we're working with teams or a collaborator? What do you recommend we do to kind of help you create the space to be your best? I think the more creative you are, the more controlling you are. It's just the nature. You know, um, I know that I'm, I don't want to say I'm controlling, but I want to control every aspect of my projects. But again, it took me years to figure out that I needed to let some pieces go. I need to have, I needed to ask for help. Um, but it's the right people that you ask for help for. Um, you know, Gary Vandercheck, it's all about Gary, but behind the scenes, he's got a hundred people working to make him look good and, and doing what he, you know, all the projects that he's implemented. So how can you, how can our guests today, they have to relinquish control and that's hard, but they've got to relinquish, relinquish control to the right people and really trust them. Once they give them, like with me, let's say that I did a video and I want to, offload it and have somebody else edit it for me. I've got to control. I've got to trust my editor and then let him do his job. I can't micromanage him. And that's hard for me. I want to, I want to sell the job. I want to connect with the customer. I want to 
uh, write the screenplay or you know write the write the storyboard you know I want to film it I want to be behind the camera I want to do everything mm. but it's hard to do everything and and, and stay in business. So you've got to relinquish control at some point. It may just be getting a virtual assistant to call people for you or getting someone to um, uh, send out an email the day before an appointment to confirm an appointment. You know, what I try to do is I usually once a year, I write down all the things that I hate about my business. And then I let that, I let other people do that piece of my business. Okay, wait, well, hang on a second. <laughs> so, so this is a, a yearly list or yearly, yearly process. Uh-huh. Kind of walk, walk us through what that looks like. You're sitting okay. there, you're thinking what exactly? Um, I'm thinking what takes a lot of my time that I don't want to do. Uh, confirming appointments for the next day. Um, pulling up, um, setting, setting airline and hotel reservations. Someone else can do that better than I can. Um, you know, accounting. I don't want to have to, I want to make sure that my checks are coming in. But once the checks come in, I don't want to write the deposit slip. I don't want to go to the bank. I don't want to talk to the accountant and the CPA. I'm a creative. I'm not, I, that's, you know, that's left brain. If it's left brain, I let somebody else do it. If it's right brain, I want to do it. Um, so it's all the little things in life that bug me that I try to offload to somebody else. And I, you know, I pay him for it. I don't, it's not, I'm not getting it for free, but at this stage in the game, after doing this for 28 years, I realized my time and energy is better spent talking to customers. You know, I've got to, I feel like I've got to be really rested to be really creative, to think, to have my A game. So if I'm tired with all the little minutia that goes into a business, which is important, you can't run a business without it, then I'm, I'm not my best. And all I want to do is create, um, come up with new talks, come up with new ideas that I want to implement. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. How did you come up with that exercise? Or what, what got you to the point where you were able to say, you know what, I need to relinquish this stuff so I can be my best? a lot of coaching from other people, seeing other, you know, really a lot of, you know, talking to other, you know, national photographers and speakers and asking them how they do it, who's on their team. You know, it's having a team mentality. It's not a, you're not a, you're not an island. Um, you've got to have people on the island to help you build. Mm. Awesome. You know, my, on my team, there's me and my wife and my dog, Cowboy. Uh, occasionally I'll have an assistant come in on jobs, you know, and they'll load my equipment and unload it and set up the lights. I still help them. Um, you know, I used to know photographers that would call me from LA and come to uh, New York and come to LA and they would want everything set and they would want to walk in and push the button on the camera and walk out. Mm. They didn't load their own film. They didn't set their own lights. They didn't even pick up their own cameras off the table. You know, they were really prima donnas and all they wanted to do was get paid to push the button and connect with the client. And they were at that level. They could do that. Yeah. You know, I'm not at that level. I still like to do everything, but I realized that I needed to let go of the things that I'm not good at. Mm. 
Oh gosh, I think this is the lesson for the ages for so many of us, especially those yeah. who like to be active. So I think there's a, there's a, not just the control piece, although I, feel, I think that's the underpinning and foundation for a lot of it, but I also think that there's something about, you know, being taken care of that you also describe that creates an environment for people to show up their best. What, Wins, what, what's the impact on you when you've relinquished all those things? You make your list, you say, these are the things that I don't want to do anymore. You outsource them to other people. What's been the impact as you've done that exercise year after year? <laughs> well, first of all, once I make the long list, I realize I can't afford to outsource anything. <laughs> So, uh, so that means I have to take about half the list back and <laughs> on me. Um, and then so I have to really narrow it down. And normally there's only two or three things I can outsource each year. Um, okay. So, but the impact is allowing me to be in a better mood for my wife and my customers, my clients, sleep more, um, focus on the projects that I want to, I call them passion projects. Mm. Um, you know, and, and my passion projects goes back to what I, I'm, I'm the most creative when it's a passion for what I'm doing, not necessarily a passion for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so the, the outcome of me outsourcing some of this is I just have a better life. I'm, I'm more relaxed. I'm a happier person to be around. Um, and I, and I can, it's kind of like seeing the big picture. It's hard to see where you want to go when your head's down at your desk every day, all day. Mm -hmm. Mine is a lot, but you know, uh, Felipe's on vacation in the United States now. Hopefully he's taken a coffee break and sat there and thought about when he gets back home, what he wants to change or, you know, he feels so relaxed and comfortable right now. Um, hopefully warm in DC, you know, nice snuggly. How he can take that feeling back to, you know, back to his homeland and still feel that relaxation. Mm. It's so hard when we are working nine to five or five to nine sometimes mm -hmm. to, to step back. And you're, you know, you're doing a great job with us talking this morning. You were pulling stuff out of me. I had no clue that's what we were going to talk about. And I didn't mind talking about it. It was just, it, it made me think. And when, you, when you're working every day and you're running as fast as you can, you don't have, you're just, what's next? What's next? You don't have time to really sit back and think. So by taking things off my plate, hopefully it just gives me a little bit extra time to think about things. That's wonderful. So what I'm really hearing is that you've now created a discipline for yourself to nurture your creativity. That's by either getting rid of, you know, or at least outsourcing some of the things that you can Right? And then also being mindful about all the things that you're doing that you may think, oh, these are not really high value items, perhaps even leaving those to the side. And then you, like you said, trusting the right people when you do outsource it. And that, that takes an amount of discipline. It's not just, it doesn't seem, you know, like you obviously take a lot of pride in what you do and you want it done, done well. I'm sure that the quality has to be as high as, you, as if you were doing it yourself. And I wonder how many of us really have that discipline in place where we're figuring out how do I nurture a space to create? Anything right. add to that? It's, a, it's an ongoing process. You know, I make the list once a year, but then I don't stick to it. I add to it. I take away from it. And I'm, you know, it's always an ongoing process. I don't know who told me, but I, I'm sure I found it online somewhere. It's like tomorrow's a new day. If you mess up today, let's say you, 
take the day off and you watch, you, you binge, you know, on, on Netflix all day long, well, tomorrow get up and start fresh. Mm-hmm. Or you've had just a really bad, bad day for some reason. Well, tomorrow's a new day. No one's going to know what happened yesterday when tomorrow comes. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if, um, and I don't give myself breaks a lot. You know, I don't, I don't um, live by that philosophy, but I think it's true. You know, yesterday I worked literally from probably seven in the morning till 10 at night with a 30 minute break. It was a long day, but today's a much better day because I'm here with you. I'm not having to think about what's what I'm doing after, after this, you know, I'm in the moment. Okay. So just try to be more in the moment with what you're doing. Mm. I have no idea if that answered your question, but. (laughs) But it was a good, it was a good answer. (laughs) Sorry, it was a rant. No worries. No worries. One more question and then we'll, we'll open up the lines for, for those that are listening in to share their mind. Curious now, you obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about and you're taking video. Then you obviously now have shifted or pivoted somewhat because now you're on stages, right? You're now engaging an audience. What made you decide that that was the next thing to create? Good question. Every year I try to do something new that I have never done before. About seven years ago, I did Toastmasters. Um, and I, I, I dove in. I mean, I drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, after my first meeting, I went to a meeting every week for three years, every Wednesday, uh, you know, um, and I loved it. I loved being in front of an audience speaking. You know, we all love our own voice, I think. Uh, it's just, what do you have to say? Mm. Um, and so after Toastmasters, I took about two years off and I really thought about what I wanted, my, my message. You know, what do I have to offer um, that people are going to pay for. And so last year I finally realized what I wanted to say, what my message was. Um, and I joined NSA and that's when I met you at NSA to learn the business of speaking. You know, anybody can speak. We're speaking now, but to anybody can take a picture. We've all got cameras. So we're all photographers, but to, but the business of photography, the business of speaking, the business of coaching, that's the hard part. You know, getting, we all think we're good at what we do, but we have an intangible product, me and you, Valerie. Mm-hmm. What's going to pay you um, to, to help them coach, to coach their staff or to coach them uh, a CEO, unless you can articulate what you bring to them. And that's just being a better speaker, you know. Yeah. Uh, no one pays me. Yes, they've seen my work in photography and video, but it's really an intangible product until I create it for them. Mm-hmm. So speaking is the same way. You know, the business of speaking is the hard part. Speaking, that's easy. But I realized that I love being in front of the audience um, just from Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. Just from, you know, okay. It, it, I, I heard something like, you know, two out of three people are terrified to get up and speak in the world. Luckily, I'm not one of those. <laughs> um, now, I may not be always, uh, the better you're prepared with your message and your, your keynote or what you want to bring, what you want the audience to take away, the easier it's going to be. It doesn't mean I'm not nervous. Sure. It just means that I'm able to do it and I want to make a living doing it. 
Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm really excited because I think what you really pointed to is that the commitment to developing yourself, you know, I think what you said about, yeah, if you've taken Toastmasters, you've gone to NSA, that's really about the mastery. Right? It's one thing for us to discover what our innate gifts or talents or interests may be. And then another one to say, okay, well, if I really want to utilize this, what might I need to do in order to sharpen it, in order to make it a, a viable tool for others to utilize? And what you, what you point to is the mastery of it. And you're not shying away from that. And then also just nurturing the kind of environment that you need in order to create something of value for others. Phenomenal. Good stuff. Yeah, thank well, you. Yeah. Well, I want to take a moment there and, and, and see what our, our listening viewers, audience would <laughs> like to add to that. What, what have you heard in what Wynn and I have talked about so far that, that has impacted you or that you found interesting or perhaps something worth thinking about for yourself? You might hit star nine if you want to raise your hand if you're on the telephone, or you can unmute yourself on the computer and share your thoughts. I'm going to call on somebody. <laughs> The fact that you leaned forward just in the right moment tells me that you might have something interesting to share. <laughs> so Pam, I'm going to unmute you. What, what are you hearing from, from what Wynn and I have been talking about so far? Well, I'm just kind of fascinated. I have a question for you, Wynn. Well, what's really interesting is that I grew up in Lubbock and I went to high school there and then I went to West Texas State spent time in Amarillo, and I was in the outdoor musical drama, Texas. Sure. I was an actress. I played Elsie for five years. I was an actress for, from the time I was 15 till I was 34. So it's just really interesting. So my question for you though, is how did growing up in that West Texas, as you and I know, it is a unique place. How does it inform your work? Wow, Valerie, this is like a very similar question that we were talking about beforehand. She kept I prepared to, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, she kept trying to dig out of me what West Texas, why it meant, why Texas means so much to me. Um, and Pam, yes, I've been to Texas, the play Texas, you know, at least a dozen times. Um, love Paladura Canyon. Um, yeah, we could we could visit offline a lot. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, how it impacted me. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Valerie uh, was trying to pull it out of me. And I think it has something to do with being from West Texas. It's, I don't want to say it's a Bible belt because every place is a Bible belt, but people are very ethical. They're very friendly. They will bend over backwards to help you. And I, I've noticed in Dallas that I get along better with people from West Texas than anybody else. You know, if I meet somebody at a, at a networking event and, oh, yeah, I'm from, you know, uh, Dumas or I'm from, you know, Quantique, um, then it's like, oh, we're best friends. You know, we've got something in common. And I'm sure that happens to people in Minnesota that are from Minnesota and meet people in Minnesota. I don't know. I just think if you're in Texas – if you're a Texan, you may have a little bit more pride from where you came from than anybody else. And that may be bravado or bragging, 
I'm not sure. <laughs> it sounds like such a Texas thing to say, Lynn. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. Pam, what, what do you think, Pam? Well, I, I, um, I think from an artistic point of view, it has to do with space and oftentimes lack of color. I, I grew up in Eastern New Mexico and West Texas. And so I don't, the women in Midland, and you notice I've got my lipstick on today, we don't go out of the house without it. And people- I don't either. <laughs> and is there something about the lack of color? So for me, it, it informed me, but yet we went against it by adding more color. And then the horizon, has to do with space um i think uh you know i just wonder if that if that informed you too i just know that when i'm in like i went to new york and i thought i was wanting to go to new york and be an actress i i couldn't i i could not stay i was so claustrophobic right small buildings and um so I, for me color and space inform it informed my myself as an artist i think that's interesting. I, one thing I want to point out for those that are not familiar with West Texas right, is you mentioned the lack of color. So it's, it's, there's a lot of space, right? Lot of, not very many tall trees, browns, grays. Yeah, it's very flat. And desert. There's a lot of desert-like terrain in the area. So just to paint a picture for those of you who may not be familiar, whenever you see old Westerns, one other thing is that when it was developing, it's a, it was the last to be settled really because it was all about ranchers and cattle and they had big, huge pieces of property and people lived really far away from each other. So when they did get together or saw each other, they were so excited to see each other. And I think that's why everyone's so friendly today. I think that that is part of the community holdover of, you know, they would live, take them forever to, in the, I'm talking in the turn of the century and that kind of thing. But I think that holds over. Hmm. Pam, I think you're right. I don't, when I was in high school taking pictures, I didn't think about space and color. You know, I was just taking whatever's in front of me, you know, mostly cheerleaders. Um, <laughs> But, you know, whatever was there, that's what I was taking. I was trying to crop it correctly, trying to get my lighting exposure down. So I didn't, I wasn't out, I didn't do a lot of landscape photography. Um, I love landscape photography and I do it now on vacation primarily. Um, but I didn't, I didn't think about color and texture and space until really I probably got, until I got in business for myself. Um, and when I was an assistant in Los Angeles, that's, I, I, I saw what the other photographers were doing and that's kind of where I started learning about, you know, the aspect ratio and different lenses and how things are going to look in a, in a, in a negative. One thing I like about this conversation is to think about how our environment might contribute to either developing a complementary view, a perspective. Right, like Pam mentioned, when there's when you have your your life is devoid of a lot of color, where you want the, your desire, you're compelled to add color to it, right? Or where where you may not be required to do certain things to be that that scientific about your approach and kind of just kind of you know, you're kind of making it up as you go to all of a sudden develop. I actually need that skill. I need to actually hone so I know exactly what to do and how to go about doing it. 
Thank you so much for the question. I see someone else's hand raised on the phone line. Just unmute yourself, caller. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from, and what would you like to share? I can't see a name, so I can't call on the person. Pam, how do you unmute? Pam, how do you unmute on the phone? Oh, it, it's not me. It's not, um, yeah, it's not Pam. Um, Valerie, how do, you, how do you unmute somebody on the phone? On the phone, on the phone, I just unmuted the person. So if you're on the telephone speaking to us, go ahead and tell, tell us who you are and what your question, your comment is. Now, did someone hit star nine? Hi, yeah, my comment just had to do with the um, remarkable thought that with creation comes control, and so if we're trying not to really be that much in control, you know, um, how is that <laughs> achieved, you know? I just I just found that remarkable, that's all. Cool. Tell us, tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Vi calling from New York City. Oh, hey, Vaisha. Hey. All right. What would you say to her comment? Say that again? No, I'm asking when to respond to your, to your comment. I think, okay. that's a, I think that's a good observation. I was saying that I needed to be in control and have all the details down to be creative. But you're, you're totally right. There's another flip side to that, whereas if you just let yourself go, if you're a painter, and you just paint, and you paint whatever comes into your head, you may have a masterpiece. Um, I know a lot of times if I'm on vacation, I normally get up an hour before sunrise and go walk around, whether I'm in you know, uh, San Francisco or Santa Fe, and I see the city wake up, and it's, it's totally two different um, cities, one with everything sleeping, and then two, the hustle and bustle of the early morning crowd. And that's sometimes when I get my best work, when I, when I, the pictures that I look back on, those are the ones I love the most. And it was just spontaneity. It was, there's no, there's no um, control over it. There's no pre-planning. I didn't know all the details before I started it. So you are totally right. Sometimes I'm creative when I'm, have all, when I'm in control. And then other times I'm creative when I have no control. I just, I take what's there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think, for me, I'd rather be a little more in control, but that's the business side of me. Amen. <laughs> yeah, right. but I know there's, there's, other, there's other artists that don't want to be in control at all. They just want to, want to create. Um, okay. And if they can create something and make a living off of it, that's great. that's great. Or if they can create something and hang it on the wall, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Okay. Oh, thank you, Wynn. Thanks, Vaisha. Thank you. Felipe, I see your hand raised. Please unmute yourself and tell us what you're thinking. Yes, yeah, so first of all, I want to thank you, Wynn, for sharing your journey. Um, I'm really thinking about what you mentioned about letting some of the things go so you can be more creative and have time for yourself. So, you know, just to delegate makes your process, your creative process even better. So that's very useful for me as well. And I have a question. Do you ever feel the pressure uh, to, f to be creative? How is that for you? I don't feel the pressure to be creative. 
I feel the pressure to sell, be a salesman, because I'm a salesman. You know, I'm a photographer, I'm a videographer, I'm a speaker, but number one, what I do is I sell. I sell myself. So over the years, yes, there's, you know, rent's coming up, you know, um, daughter needs a new pair of shoes, whatever. So that's the pressure for me is making money. Being creative, there's been times in my life, you know, if I'm depressed, it's hard to be creative. But like I said, you know, I do a lot of executive portraits for lawyers. I don't want to say I can phone that in, but I can do that, you know, without having to be in the moment. You know, I can get a great portrait without having to be totally creative. You know, Valerie's uh, video I did for her, no, I had to be creative. I had to be well-rested. I had to be in the moment. I had to be excited about what I was doing. Um, most of the projects I work on now in my life, I'm, I'm passionate about, whether they're myself or whether they're a client. Uh, don't tell my wife, but I turn down probably one in three jobs that come my way because I don't want to do it. It's not creative. It's either I don't know how to do it well enough, I don't have enough confidence in myself that they're going to love what I do, or it's just not in, not in my wheelhouse. Um, over the years, I've really narrowed down who I focus on, what I do, the type of client that I want to work with, that I want to play with. Valerie is one of those people. She's friendly. She's A+. Plus, she's responsive. She answers her phone, and she gets me the information when I need it. What more could I want? Um, you know, I've had clients before that they want to hire me. They want to pay me some good money, but they never get me the information or they never respond to the questions. So it's hard for me to facilitate and do their job. So at this stage of the game, I'm, I'm normally excited about every project I work on 95% of the, of the time. And if I'm not going to be excited on it, I just try not to do it. I see. Thank you. <laughs> and, and just one last question. Where do you get your inspiration from? A lot of coffee <laughs> in the morning, a lot of coffee. My inspiration usually comes from people online that I respect, um, other videographers. I don't mimic what they do, but I take pieces of what they do and make it my own. Um, and my inspiration comes from the people that are around me, my wife, my daughter, uh, people in my life. That's, that's, those are my biggest inspirations. It's, it's just them. I'm going to follow up on that one. Okay. What, how, how, do you, how do they inspire you? What exactly does that look like when you're inspired by your family? I would say inspiration for me is motivation. I want to be the best person I can be today for them. Um, you know, and if I can be more creative or I can figure out a new industry that, to go into, for me, business is creative. Um, but inspiration, again, comes from, for me, I think it comes from being well-rested you know, having time to think about what I want and what's right for my family, which I've, I've not always done that um, over the years. It kind of, the more mature you are, I think helps, 
helps you be uh, more of an introvert and think about things. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> I think yesterday you were saying that it sounds like your responsibility to care for your family is really what's driving you. Is the motivation for you to get better? Is the motivation for you to sell? Is the motivation for you to make sure that you're continually creating? That's what I heard. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. We have, we have time for one more comment or question. Who would like to have the final comment or question? Meg, anything come to mind? I know you have a creativity in your part of your life. Would you like to share anything that's opened up for you as a result of this conversation? I found it uh, interesting that uh, the control thing, you know, because I'm really a bad control freak. <laughs> and I like to control everything and I'm, I get really irritating to other people doing that. And I I've seen it as a negative, you know, and thinking about using that um, to my advantage and towards the creativity and uh, th that's helpful to me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, How would you create, Meg, based on that? Well, um, I think it, because I have a tendency to, um, I guess I'm a little bit ADD. I, I kind of flip from one thing to the next. And I have a lot of unfinished projects. Um, but part of it, I think, is perfectionism. Uh, it's like, you know, if I can't make this perfect, then I'm just not going to finish it. Um, but then, the you know, the control, adding the... the uh, that aspect of trying to control the you know, the stuff and um, that helps as far as you know motivating myself to go ahead and finish things that that I need to finish so uh, that and all the little looking at all the little details which I am big on you know it's like every little thing and people are like oh my gosh you know why do you have to focus on all these tiny little things and it's like because I do that that's what I do and um it's felt kind of scattered I guess mm. as as opposed to uh being a good thing so that, that. that helps me look at the positive, I think. <laughs> so, so I really appreciate that. I, I think what's coming up, thank you very much, Meg. Yeah. Based on what you said and what Vaisha said and you know, a couple other comments around, I think one of my next topics is going to have to be around control. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. It seems to be something that uh, there's obviously the, the, the fear, right, that sometimes has us control, but then there's also... Pride. I mean, so I think it could be both positive and negative, and the outcome is we want to exert control over something. So it sounds like some. I made a note to explore that as a future <laughs> topic for us. <laughs> so I, first of all, I just want to thank I want to thank all of you for for chiming in, sharing your thoughts and your questions. When 
you've been phenomenal. I know that as I was teasing out these these questions and, and your answers and responses, I know that you weren't necessarily prepared for how deep I would want to go. We I think you got you got off a little easy personally. <laughs> next time, next time really dig in there. So I think there's there are a couple things that came up in our our call earlier before we started this, this session that I would love for you guys to learn about when maybe the next time we invite you on we'll definitely touch on that anything that you'd like to say um, about actually if you can let people know how they can get a hold of you because I know I know I'm sure that you and Pam have a lot to talk about when it comes to to love it but any way that people can get a hold of you if they want your services when yeah definitely um First off, Meg, I think you're totally right. I'm OCD myself some to, to a certain extent. Try just letting go of one thing a day, just something small, you know, and, and ask yourself, does it matter? You know, does it matter that the book's not on the shelf in the right way? Probably not. Okay, let it go. You'll, you know, it may hurt for, it may hurt, but after a week of letting go of one thing each day, it'll become a pattern. It'll be more easy for you. So, uh, but I totally agree. I'm, I'm very OCD on, on a lot of things. Um, guys, thank you for your time today. I hope that my quirkiness, quirkiness and inspiration has helped some of y'all some way. Uh, you can reach me. I'm sure that um, all my information will be down in the show notes uh, below. But if you send me an email or, um, you know, a LinkedIn, I will definitely respond to you. Uh, don't. Talk, don't send me a message on Facebook because I don't look at those very often. Uh, but for me, it's pretty much LinkedIn, um, text, or uh, email would be the perfect way to reach me. I have two blogs. Uh, sorry, I have two YouTube channels. One is for my speaking and one is for my photography. And you often find those both on my website. Fantastic. And when, yes, I'll be sure to put in your website, your email address, and your LinkedIn profile so that people can connect with you after. Yeah. And I love business. You know, if, if y'all need me to come to your town and, and speak or do a video or photography, uh, I travel across the country um, for my project. So I, I'm based in Dallas, but I have camera, will travel. Yay. And you feel free to check out that famous video that we've been referring to on Valerie. Yes. Um, <laughs> You'll see the video that that Wynn put together. That's the short version. He did some uh, some lengthier video as well. So thank you so much, Wynn, for taking time out of your morning to be with us and sharing a part of yourself, the part of yourself that really comes to life. And and for those of you who are really exploring where you might want to use your talents and where you might be able to contribute those, I did do a a podcast on talents. It's called OMG Your Talents own, master, and give away your talents. And uh, if you go back to the website, you'll see under podcast, you can find that particular episode and look in a little bit further about where you might explore your own talents. If you want to get a hold of Win, like I said, I'll give you all that information. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. Don't forget to go to www.time to come alive if you'd like to register for future calls. Next week on March 19th, we have another special guest, Francis Conrad, who's going to talk a little bit about, well, a lot about transformational travel. He's, you may have heard or seen him on some of our past sessions. He's going to have a wonderful conversation about how travel, at this point in his life, 
has transformed who he is and how he takes other people on these amazing journeys. I hope you join us next Tuesday for our next session. Have a wonderful day, everybody.